0: Let's start with a prayer today. Oh.
1: <speaking in the language>
0: sahana bavadu,
2: sahana bavidu,
0: Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. So Vivek uh, and uh, Rajiv, we say this prayer, since you guys have joined uh, into the uh, weekly session, we say this prayer so that we don't fight with each other in in these discussions. So you should look up the meaning of this uh, shloka. is
3: uh, what to fight or to avoid fighting or to forgive one's fighting?
0: Sorry? Yeah.
3: Uh, I said, what's what's the meaning of this is it so that we have a good fight or to... We have a a healthy discussion. Not fight.
0: Healthy discussions. Healthy discussions, basically.
3: Healthy discussions without judgment. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
4: Very true, without judgment.
0: The whole idea is you know, to get into the mindset saying that, hey, we are getting here not to prove a point, but to share and learn together. That's the whole mindset that we want to get into. Okay. So, um, so I want to start off today, and I don't know if you guys have had a chance to look at what I have posted yesterday on the symbolism. And uh, I want to start off with uh, another symbolism, which uh, I found it very difficult to write. Okay. But nevertheless, Important in the context of what we are discussing, so um, again, you know, going back to Vishnu Sahasranama, there is a word, uh, there is a name of Lord uh, Lord Vishnu amongst the thousand names, known as Patadvyuhha. Okay, so basically, it's uh, the meaning. Meaning is very simple. It says that it is that principle that manages the entire order. Okay, in the universe, right. Now, why is that relevant, right? I'm just looking at my notes also because it's still not had gone into my head. So the Chatur, Vyuh, Chatur is four and um, the principles, the four principles are known as Vasudeva, Sankarshana, Pradyumna, and Aniruddha. These are the four different names given to that supreme principle to manage this entire universe. Now think about the universe, not as the universe that you know, think about the universe as ourselves, right? So if you look at the word Vasudeva, vasu stands for something which is there is there okay deva means something that which shines which comes from the root div vasu va- vasu comes from the root uh, uh, vas vas uh, you know vas is home right then you see so vasudeva is the principle who knows that he is there and he knows that he is shining okay that's the first thing then Sankarsana is is an is a name given to balram i believe i believe Balrama uh, because of fear of Kamsa he was uh, transferred from his mother's womb, Devaki, as an embryo to uh, somebody else's womb, okay, and then and then, uh, and then uh, he did not know that he was Vasudeva, okay, so initially he lost his identity apparently that he is not, know. but then Karshana means farming, so he does a lot of farming of his mind right realize that he is that okay so we are all like we are all like transferred from that supreme principle but so we don't know that and so we have to do that sankarsana the 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 farming of our mind right and then pradyumna pradyumna is a, the result of the farming which knows that there is a shining element in us Dhimna, Dhu, again, you see the Dhu coming in there. It shows that Jyoti, that Jyoti is there in us, right? So now from the state of all-knowing, all-being, we fall off into a state where we don't know. Then we realize that we know. And then finally, Aniruddha. Ruddha means Duda, which is strength, okay? Aniruddha means, I mean, sorry, Ruddha means to hold, okay? So Aniruddha means someone who is strongly holding to that particular knowledge. Okay, and so the way that uh, this uh, person who translated told initially you are that person. Then you fall into the thing. You don't realize that. Then you work on your mind. Then you know that you are. But then that knowledge may not remain with you for a long time. So you work on that particular retaining that particular knowledge. So if you remember, Ashtadhyayi, Sarvashana, Pratigna, Aniruddha. It flows into you know shravana, manana, nididhyasana because before we even learn about this science we don't know who we are but we are actually that once we learn about it then that spark comes into us oh looks like that is what that is what who we are but then the, then the point is it doesn't stay with us for a long time so we got to start working on it which is what we are doing right now and once we start working on it some days it comes for longer periods some days it doesn't come for longer periods then you get into Nididhyasana when you start claiming yourself that you are this and over a period of time you become that how's that very beautiful today I really enjoyed it deep I just can't believe the symbolism and the mysticism whatever saints have uh, um, uh, encapsulated encapsulated in each of the each of the things it's impossible to decode all of them (laughs)
2: Who's the author of
0: this, uh, this uh, uh, Vishnu Sahasrara So, Sranamam, uh, I don't... Vedavyasa, <coughs> I think, is the author. But it, okay. so it's, it's, narrated, it's from the good old days. Yeah, it was narrated to uh, Yudhishthira when Bhishma is lying on the bed of arrows. And, uh, you know, uh, Yudhishthira listens to all... You now, Yudhishthira is a king after the uh, uh, battle, right? And then he's given all the about how to rule. That, that is known as Anushasanika Parva. Okay, Anushasana mm-hmm. means like to rule, right? So he's given all that, but then at the end of it, he's still confused. So he goes to Yudhishthira, and he goes to Bhishma, and Yudhishthira asks him, Okay, boss, I've listened to everything, but I'm still confused about how to go about and rule. Can you tell me what it is? Then he asks six questions, okay? And then Yudhishthira reels Vishnu Vishnusasranama and he says that so this is the real dharma that we need to do. That's a topic for another discussion. Out of topic, we will take that later. But it's a very beautiful one. Yeah. And some days, if you guys are interested, you know, learn how to chant. Also, it's such a powerful one. Cool. All right. That's that's my uh, icebreaker for the day. Anybody? <laughs>
1: I just watched uh, Netflix. Uh, there's another serial which has come up, which is called as Connected. It is more on, you know, this this person takes one concept and see how how things are connected globally or universally. And the, the episode I watched just now was, you know, how the uh, in the middle of, of Africa, we have Chad and there was a huge lake and how that lake dried up some thousand years ago. And so it's at the bed of it. And every year or every day, the sand is picked up from that lake surface. And it goes as far as Amazon, um, the rainforest in Amazon. And it's uncanny that the amount of phosphorus that is lost in Amazon through the rains, is actually exactly the same that is replenished by the sand that's coming from here. So, so that's the farthest effect that is seen. But in addition to that, what this dust also is doing is, um, one, all the hurricanes they start from the Atlantic Ocean in between Africa and um, you know the Americas. So, so this dust actually. Hinders the water reaching the pressure point, and hence the most of the hurricanes actually would be much stronger if this dust was not there. So it just helps that. And then the second benefit is uh, some of the dust falls into the ocean, and the planktons feed on it because it is still full of the nitrogen and from the it had algae, so it has nitrogen and all the nutrients required by planktons. So Almost half of the oxygen that is produced in for our surface is produced from the oceans and a big chunk of it comes from that Atlantic Ocean where this sand falls um, for the for the plantains and etc to actually replenish the oxygen back and there's one bad effect of it when it hits the Florida area um, so it can, contains iron and that iron is actually killing a lot of fishes on the coast that is known as the red tide you might have heard of that yeah. how things are linked this is in the middle of africa the dust which has been doing this for the last 1000 years and how it is how the ecological balance is maintained because of just that dust so it was quite quite amazing in our context as well that you know
2: it's just... And is it all natural? It, it, it Does it move all naturally?
1: All I
3: mean, naturally. All naturally. Oh, wow. Yeah it's... No, I, 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 yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. So, sort of, out of syllabus point on that, I mean, this whole area of sustainability and climate finance and policy and development that's, that's sort of emerging, it's just beginning to touch upon the role of land and oceans because it's all been about you know, carbon carbon emissions to the atmosphere, uh, but these are there—all are these sort of beautiful uh, <coughs> dynamics that are at play, which uh, which man has disturbed, and and the consequences we just don't still understand what the consequences of that are going to be, but that's that's part of the study. So you know, these these are beautiful assessments in that regard.
2: It's interesting, uh Alpna that you mentioned it. In fact, we're actually drilling for oil on the edge of Lake Chad. Okay. <laughs> so I was like quite surprised, you know, it's quite 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 yeah, interesting.
1: So yeah, it's it's quite quite interesting how and it's saying that how everything is connected. You know, the air would okay. breathe, you don't know from where all you know that, that oxygen has been has been generated from and yeah. it makes it feel more and more connected and that oneness it's just so apparent becoming apparent even scientifically
0: so we really yeah, can't one, blame one, international travel for uh, yeah really can't blame international travel for carrying coronavirus from one part of the world to the other part of the world it has to happen <laughs> irrespective of travel <laughs> Correct.
1: Well, it's a bit like the theory that there is, isn't it? You just need seven people and you would pretty much know anyone you meet. You just have that whatever the what 7th well, I'm not sure what the terminology is, but there's this whole theory that whoever you meet within seven people, you will have made a connection with them. LinkedIn, yeah. yeah, we can we can check. <laughs> we would probably cover the entire universe. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's,
2: it's the seventh virtual. level,
3: yeah. With Indians, it's much shorter. The chain is much. Shorter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So getting back to getting back to our uh, topic. So anybody wants to start off today in terms of your observations of the reading.
1: very relevant uh, uh you know discussion i mean what the writing was with with our other group and what we've been talking about over here about actionless and you know all the different things that we read in the tatvabodha seem to be kind of reinforced or reiterated here
2: So at least a question for me was it appeared to me uh, that meditation is a essential or a necessary tool for, uh, so we are currently in sort of the Shravana Mananam stage, I think, right? And that meditation is almost like a necessary condition for Nididhyasana to kind of prepare the mind for that enlightenment, if you will is that like a the right
0: understanding well um let me just share what i kind of you know uh, this is how i slotted in my mind right see first of all the word meditation <clears throat> is, uh, you know once again uh a little bit of a misnomer because there are thousands of types of meditation at least the meditation what uh, krishna talks about in this particular chapter which which it covers is nidhi basically right mm-hmm. there you are uh, repeating the knowledge that who you are constantly, so that you're reminded you're about the knowledge. that's how I would say it. But then you know to get to that stage, there are different stages that we will have to prepare ourselves and go. Through. Okay, so so that's the end goal, because today if you want to sit down and say you know Aham Brahmasmi, you know it's very difficult to even accept that because we are not prepared to accept it. Right. So for us to be prepared. To accept that, you know, the grandiosity that, yes, you are the creator, it's going to take a long sort of preparation of multi-million years of birth deaths and all that stuff. So, the first step is that karma yoga, because karma yoga is ready to calm your mind down, to neutralize your likes and dislikes, and then you get on to a particular mindset which is prepared to even understand what the scriptures are saying, right? And then... Once you, once you go through attitude, attitudinal change internally and then when we'll you start listening in Shravana, then you'll get a lot of doubts then you start thinking about it that's also another sort of meditation the meditation is one aspect of some of the doubt that you have regarding that your own identity supreme identity what you have once you're clarified now you're reasonably clear okay technically theoretically you're clear then you say okay now I think I'm clear this is who I am but at the same time I don't see the benefits of being being the particular person of that Supreme being, right? Because I'm still sometimes unhappy and all that, which means that knowledge has still maybe it's just sparked, but it is still not blown into a full blown thing for us to give that benefit. So to keep on fanning that knowledge, right? And that's what you do by meditation. So you're right. It's a necessary uh, precondition for us to get there, but then it has to go through multiple stages. So the way that I would like to say it's just, you know, maybe we should stop using the word meditation. We should call it as dhyana, or nididhyasa mm.
2: Yeah, the chapter is called dhyana yoga. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my take. And so all the and so all the other meditations that we talk about are all, I mean, they all have different purposes. Or are, or are yes. all of those in some ways preparatory to get to dhyana
0: yoga. Preparatory but uh, uh, but you know they have different purposes, for example, people who quote unquote meditate today you know using let's say calm or any of those apps, or even a meditation session that I run, almost all of them you know I will not even touch upon this aspect because you know for for people to understand that they really need to have learned the you know gone through the process of shravana, manana, otherwise they'll not be able to make sense. They'll think I'm you know just kind of saying something out of my hat, right. So it, it won't work so uh the different meditations the techniques that you'll see end up having different benefits you know some of them they say okay relax your body calm your mind you know beat stress these are all the ways to attract people to get into the meditation right and no well-meaning but at the same time that's not the true purpose of dhyana the purpose of is, those are all preparatory stages for you to realize who you are that's how we, that's what we should think about it does it make sense or
2: uh... yeah no that makes sense that makes sense yeah. and and if i may ask uh, you know what we do in the other group where would you classify that relative to dhyana yoga
0: yeah that's what i'm saying so uh, there i would say you know benefit the benefit that i focus on there in the particular the other meditation group is you know relax your body just to realize that yes you can you can kind of you know manage your mind mind is not a chatterbox i see okay okay Okay, sorry, I, missed, I, I missed stop that, at yeah. that. I stop at that because beyond that, it's, it's difficult to difficult to kind of you know go through and you know work with anybody unless until they go through the process of understanding who we truly are from a theoretical point of view.
3: So, so that's, that's right. very, that that phrase you used about fanning the flames is uh, hugely that really resonates here. Um, hmm. Uh, but similarly you know, similar to Ajay's question uh, I don't know if anybody on the group has experience with the vipassana meditation and and how, how does that fit into this framework here
0: um, it's I would say uh, Vipassana operates at uh, you know if you, if you look at the human stack right I don't know how many of you guys have gone through browse through my book there's the chariot analogy that I give in, in my book on from Kathopanishad. So you have the physical body, then you have the physiological body, which is your you know, digestion and all those physiological processes internally. And then you have your sense organs, okay, which is your sense of touch and all that. And then you have your mind, right? So the mind is sitting behind the sense organs, taking the inputs from these five sense organs, processing it, and then you're doing some action through your five action organs. Right? Now, vipassana, what, what it works on is, vipassana works on one fundamental principle which says that the sense organs, you're getting inputs, right? And for your mind, for you to manage your mind, you need to not react on the sense sense inputs. Just think of a system, right? The system, you get in, you get in multiple inputs. The moment you cut off the input, the system won't work, right? So that way, they want to empty the mind to use your words, Vivek. Okay, mm. stopping the inputs, but that's not true because you know, then you start then the memory starts surfacing in, the moment you take that. When the memory starts surfacing in, people get a little disoriented because then suddenly all those, you know, bottled up emotions and all those things come come up. Emotions, negativity keep coming up, which had been so far kept at at the bray because something else was taking your attention. But now you stop that and then suddenly this, this thing opens up in your mind. People can't take it. Okay, nothing wrong with it. But the point is, if they understand that and they go through the entire process, that's why they say, if you go to Vipassana, it's like doing a open heart surgery for you. Okay, and you should not get off the table after four days and walk away. Because if you get off the table and walk after four days, you will be messed up. Mm. You have to finish the 10 days.
2: But yeah, I've heard stories around that. Yeah, mm.
0: People don't realize it. Hmm. Does it answer your question, Rick? you Keshe.
3: The, the only uh, the other big thing in this chapter that resonated with me a lot is that you know it, it, it asked the reader to be patient about not diving into meditation for the sake of meditation and the the part to the part to a meditative mind is through karma then you can't you can't jump that sequence and i think is reinforcing this sort of fundamental uh the fundamental sort of uh uh uh, the question that arjuna has about you know saying want to abandon this war and seek arms and Renunciate. And this reinforces that we can't do that.
1: Yeah.
4: So I have a question. Around, you know, how do we connect, uh, you know, Patanjali Yoga Sutras, which tells you the steps, nam yam, you know? etc and then you have yog tantra bharvi which has you know 108 methods and then you have a gita which is telling you about dhyan and you know basically in, in this chapter or you know i mean we don't really know and of course that's why some of these questions are coming up what is really dhyan i mean does talk about contemplation or be contemplative and says you can't be contemplative but you can do so i mean how do you reconcile you know, I'm just saying just these three. There is your Patanjali Yoga Sutras, then your Yoga Tantra Bhairi, which talks about the 108 methods, you know, Shiva told someone. And then you have, you know, in Gita, Dhyan is being talked about. And, I mean, if you just deep dive into various techniques of meditation, you know, broadly, you know, very difficult to classify, but those 108 methods can be, you know, broadly very... A rough classification can be concentration, contemplation, chanting. <clears throat> Within that, it could be you know observing your breath, which is the vipassana, or observing the sensations in the body, or observing a mantra, or just chanting the mantra with feeling, without feeling. Chanting also has you know like it's Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, where it is with bhav, and then there can be a chanting without bhav. You know the. The word you're chanting means nothing. And then there is this you know, Buddhist chanting where you, you know chant something, you don't even know the meaning of that. You know, let's say so I don't know. I mean, in this chapter, what I could not get is what is a a technique or the technique, you know, and which one works. You know, what is the directive? Exactly. <laughs> so to say, you know, This is what because I mean. I mean, if you just try to analyze Art of Living or, uh, you know, Sadhguru's method or Transcendental Meditation or Vipassana, any of them, you know, so there is, uh, there are some, you know, if you take 10 or 12 methods, it will broadly fall in these three or four categories, as if you're concentrating on something or you're contemplating and it could be a chant, could be a chant on a word, could be doing a breath, blah 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 so but in this chapter i did not get you know what is the way is it is it chanting so this is a doubt i don't know
5: if it is ref- it is relevant no, to the it, podcast, it, discussion it, it's, it's to a you. very relevant uh question uh rajesh can i take that
0: absolutely you are the resident expert and Patanjali yoga sutras
5: <laughs> no, no, I, <laughs> I i i wouldn't say that but uh, you know, it's something that is very dear to me, uh, and it's a question that I've asked myself so many times. Um, okay, uh, Rajiv, the uh, at the outset, at the um, at a at a very high level, I would say, uh, Yoga Sutras fall under the category of preparing preparing your mind, right? So if you if you classify the uh, broad level steps as uh, mental preparation. And in, I think in this chapter, he keeps, uh, Swamiji says, uh, ma- making your mind ready for contemplation, right? So um, getting to that stage uh, is where yoga sutras belongs. And in the second phase is where you absorb the knowledge and you assimilate it, right? So um, yoga is a different philosophy, right? If you look at it very academically, it is very, it's a slightly different philosophy compared to Vedanta. Um, It is uh, um, because at the core, they differ, right? At the core, uh, uh, yoga differs from Advaita, right? In the sense that, I'll not go there, but it it does uh, differ at the very core. But then the practices of yoga, right? Which is uh, established in in the Ashtanga Yoga practice, the eight limbs of yoga, they are super relevant and very, very relevant to um, how we understand our mind um where do these thoughts come from it really goes into the um uh, yoga is the practice but where it um, yoga uh spends a lot of time you know, right from the second uh, in fact the second sutra itself says what yoga is actually right chitta vritti uh, yoga chitta vritti nirodha it says basically saying it's a cessation of the thoughts in the mind right so and then it says and then goes on from there saying okay uh you know, um, if you uh, why should we, uh, uh like, uh, it's not cessation, cessation is one way of looking at it, it's streamlining the thoughts, so that it's not uh, running all over the place, the mind is not very external focused. and it's, it's streamlined. And it says, why why are those thoughts there in the first place? Where do they uh, where do they come from? And then goes into the uh, theory behind that, which is about samskaras and such. And then eventually comes to ashtanga yoga and says, this is a method by which you can, um, you can uh, neutralize the samskaras, thereby, at the end of this uh, uh, process, the, uh, the goal is basically to, um, uh, to purify the mind. And eventually, after that purification is where we are ready to kind of absorb the knowledge of Advaita Vedanta, right, which is is the masi knowledge, which is to assimilate it right? when we say absorb it. We, I think we all understand it uh, intellectually, but to completely assimilate it, our mind needs to be at a certain place. And uh, uh, yoga, yoga sutras, for instance, the following ashtanga yoga takes us to that place. And so in a way, it is not this or that it is it is this and that. right? So um, uh, uh, Gita, on the other hand, uh, calls out uh, karma yoga. Um, as a, uh, if you look at ashtanga yoga, many of those uh, concepts are in karma yoga as well. As an example, uh, one of the niyamas is santosha, right, uh, santosha or santosha, so uh, which is satisfaction, which is nothing but the right attitude, uh, which is explained in karma yoga. Uh, so uh and then the other qualities in yamas and niyamas are other are um, um also explained in the bhagavad-gita in a different way Devi sampat and asuri sampat right the qualities that you need to acquire qualities that you need to get rid of right so they are very similar they use slightly different language but once you go through it you understand that all of them are very very similar so in my uh, reading of both of them and also Vipassana. I feel there is good in each one, and we can absorb the, the good parts of, each one of those, right? And we can see how we can um, incorporate that into our own lives. So for, so um, uh, we can certainly, I mean, Karma Yoga is an absolutely fantastic concept. Um, at the same time, the Ashtanga Yoga lays out exact set of steps that we can follow, right? Even uh, to the point of what is meditation, uh, you know, Patanjali explains what exactly is dharana what is meditation in very precise language mean for it to be for the mind to be one pointed and then after that what is dhyana and what is samadhi right exact definitions of that so i think i, I look at it as uh, as a uh, um um as different steps along the process and the the nana yoga is at the highest level. So I look at it as nana yoga being the PhD level. Um, The rest of them are bachelor's and master's degree. Some of us may decide a bachelor's degree is good enough for me because my aim is to get a bachelor's degree. Others may say bachelor's degree is a path, is one step towards gaining a PhD, right? So it really depends, but even a bachelor's degree to me is good or good enough. But um, uh, a PhD level is is where you go into Advaita Vedanta. Anyway, I'll stop there. Uh, others, please join, please add.
3: So if I if I may just query that, kishore I mean, you started with you know mental prep, Patanjali's yoga is sort of the base base camp, if you will. Uh, uh, what, are, yes. what are the other steps here? Sorry, I think there's, there's some background noise. Yeah. Those who can mute, those who are not speaking can mute.
0: I just um, muted, I think uh, it's coming from Mahesh, looks like it, so I just
5: muted. So Vivek, as I understand, there are four steps, right? One is actually, the first step is actually Vivek. <laughs> Vivek. Uh, and uh, uh, the second is Vairagya, right, where we uh, develop dispassion. So Vivek and Vairagya are two uh, um, aspects that we gain through Karma Yoga, and even Yoga Sutras, right? So that's part of preparing your mind. And then we go into Dhyana, which is where now, now that the mind is somewhat, uh, uh, you know, the 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 extroverted nature of mind is somewhat reduced, and it's tending to look inwards. We are now able to meditate, and that's why even in this Swamiji says, "Hey, well, if I've been if I've been very extroverted." Completely, um, well, I say extroverted in the mental sense. Uh, I've never contemplated in this way or performed karma yoga knowingly or unknowingly. Um, I have. Uh, um, and suddenly, if I want to meditate, this is not possible. Right? That's what he's trying to say. Because the mind is going to completely erase outside. So when people say, "Hey, meditation really does not work," it's the question of: Are you prepared for it first? Right? Um, are you ready for it? So Vivek and Vairagya uh, uh, get you ready, get you, uh, get the mind to kind of uh, be ready to go inward. Meditation takes you inward, right? Um, and meditation is a place where um, I think Rajesh points out in his book as well. It's a good laboratory where we can, uh, we can really see, for instance, this Devi Sampata and Asuri Sampath or uh, Yamas and Niyamas. We can contemplate on any one of them, for instance, as an example. I think this will come up in one of the types of meditation, which is called value meditation later, which is, OK, if I want to understand what is ahimsa and see how am I incorporating ahimsa in my life, meditation is a good place to do that. But it also has multiple benefits where meditation eventually gives us that ability to be very mindful of our thoughts, of our, um, of our feelings and so on. So our reactions can be um, changed over a period of time because we are now aware of how we are. Right? If something, a situation causes us to, it triggers a little bit of uh, frustration or anger in us, we catch it then and there, right? So meditation gives us that ability to, uh, um, the chance to respond in a better way rather than reacting right away. Right when when things like that happen, so it gives us that um, it develops that ability, right, for a period of time. So that's yet another way. So um, and then after dhyana, it it takes us into, gets us ready for the higher level of knowledge. At which point the the mind is also very subtle, right. So yet another way uh, in which people have explained this um, is in the form of gunas right so this is where as we go through this process we are reducing the the, the rajas and tamas in us right in both the body and mind level um, uh, so we are reducing the rajas and tamas thereby letting letting the satwa shine forth even more because the satwa is already there it's been covered by rajas and tamas and these processes whether it's um, following ashtanga yoga uh, karma yoga, or a combination thereof of e- e- any of these. In fact, will, is working to reduce the rajas and tamas, um, and we feel it. We, you know, I, I think Vivek. I think we. I remember uh, a, a, a WhatsApp exchange some time back. I think saying, you know, when we come back after a, you know three or four day uh, meditation camp or something like that. I think we feel completely energized. And we feel a different level of uh, um, uh, energy which are, which we don't get it from um, it's a different type of high that you get um, uh, which is fantastic right so that is sattva right that is sattva uh, coming forth but what if that is our default uh, state all the time right so that's where we need to be before we can start to assimilate this level of knowledge is how I am uh, uh, reading it so it, it becomes like a uh, I think uh, Swami P says in his Gita lectures, he says, okay, if you want to go from New York to California, you don't say, I have to take this cab from here to the airport and from there I need to board the plane and I need to take the flight from there. So you can't say, hey, do you want to take the flight or do you want to take the cab, right? It's a step, uh, you know, you, you need both. So uh not confuse it as one or the other. If I
1: may... If I may add, yeah, for sure, you've explained it very well. And this is how uh, these different techniques should be used. And I can tell you from my experience. So I started way back in ninety one. Um, it was as a result of a traumatic event um, foster friend. And, you know, straight to meditation and had beautiful experience. And next eight to 10 years, I was just chasing that. Because, and there were, yeah, a couple of times, again, I got those experiences. But, so I think the point I'm trying to highlight is, see, Kishore explained how Patanjali yoga should be used. You go through all the eight limbs. So to answer your question, Rajiv, what tends to happen in this age is, people jump to meditation like I did without going through the understanding of the importance of the remaining limbs, which is then quite similar to going on a gyanwar, right? Where he was trying to, you know, correlate to Vivek, Vairagya, and the and, and and parts of those. So if you don't do that, what happens is, you are looking for an outcome by controlling your senses. So it is dependent on the way one, it is not sure shot. So I couldn't repeat that experience every time. I would get it. Sometimes I may not get it. Yes, by practicing a lot more, I think I was able to reach that still a lot more. But again, only when I was looking for meditation. Whereas what this Dhyan Yoga is trying to lead us to, is this is our state. You don't need to control your senses and only realize it when you are sitting in Samadhi. When you come out of it, you're back to a normal self, right? So what this dhyana yoga focuses on is, yes, there's a preparatory work which I think Ishar was trying to explain. You go through karma yoga, you go through, and, and analyze yourself, what is a problem? Can I not focus? Then these meditation techniques are the way. You know, try doing, different types of meditations, whichever you can relate to, or do karma yoga if your mind is jumping around too much, because then your mind is not purified, right, if there are desires, etc. So what is the, I think we're the best judge of what is it that we need. So when you're sitting in meditation, what is the problem? So So meditation gives us a clue to what is missing from our sadhana. And we can focus on that. But eventually what Rajesh was pointing out to it's not that you have to sit in Samadhi and be in that state. We want to be in that state 24 by 7 and that will happen by contemplation. And because the mind is programmed like this after millions of births, it believes it is this body. It believes that there are likes and dislikes which cannot, you know, which, which everybody has, but these can be eliminated. So if you go through understanding it, then it's not that you have to sit in meditation just by contemplation. And that's where I think there are various examples. You would see something and you would go into samadhi. It's not that you're trying to withdraw from senses. You are relating to those experiences as being oneness as being that and you get into that state. So that's the difference between the, the, the meditation, the dhan that this chapter is talking about versus rest all, which work more on controlling the senses, sitting in a particular posture, only then you get into that state, which is important because that's where you will realize where the sadhana is missing if you can't do that. But it is not an end. It is still a mean.
2: So, so question for you, uh, uh, Alpana. I mean, I, I get that. So you're saying that. I mean, are you saying, I'm, I'm rephrasing it, that if you were to listen to a, a lecture in sort of, with, with sort of uh, you know, with, in, a, in a very sort of uh, engrossed way, is that also part of dhyan?
1: It is part of dhyan but it is, again, external stimulus which is leading into it yeah if external stimulus is shut off can you still do it
2: mm-hmm.
5: so you've got to okay yeah so for instance somebody is engrossed in a movie so much so that they've forgotten where they are and they're sitting they're completely absorbed in this uh, fantastic movie is that meditation i mean uh, no because that uh, yeah because of that external stimuli. but it's they but if without that external stimuli can can you get to that place where you've forgotten yourself and only the point of meditation, the subject of meditation is there uh,
2: so if you so if you're sitting in, a, in a, you know if you're sitting in a meditative mode um, and mind is you know i mean a lot of times you hear about meditation means you've got to sort of focus on your breath or kind of whatever i mean but if you're in, in a meditative mo- position and you're focused on the whole jnana yoga piece
5: for example that is all good
1: that is meditation yes that is
5: meditation that Nidhityasana, that? Nidhityasana, right? Nidhityasana, right.
1: yeah and the dhyan which we are talking about right But that's where Rajesh was saying it's sort of interchangeable. and we'll
5: so if, be... I have to add,
2: if I have to add one more uh, strand to it so if I'm sitting in if I'm in a meditative uh, mode and I am listening or not if I'm reciting or yeah. chanting the nirvana shatakam yeah where does that sort of stand?
1: So if you're just reciting it, it's again it's it. stimuli, Recite. but if you are thinking about its meaning, yeah, then it becomes content. It becomes negative. I
2: see.
1: So so does that touch upon your question, Raji? That you
4: Yeah, I mean it does give me a you know very different perspective from what I had. And you know, I don't want to hijack this
0: discussion
1: by, you know, by important knowledge. one. Yeah. No, yeah.
0: it's important. Ajeev, you've written a book about meditation, so Something this is a chapter on meditation that we're discussing. So let's talk.
4: See, uh, you know, my, I, I just like I'm not trying to super simplify. I'm just saying that nam yam, yam niyam, yeah, Okay, great. Now that PhD, that the dhyan that the meditation, what is it? You know, that's what I'm trying to get the answer to, because, uh, you know, like in Gita, there's a Yogastha Guru Karmani. Yog mein sthith karma karna hai. Yog mein kaise hoge? Not by intellectually imagining ki mai yogi hu, ya who am I, I am Brahma. It is by transcending the senses. Now, how do you, trans- I'm just telling you a summary of whatever I've read, maybe, yeah. you know, see, so how do you transcend? You need a vehicle to transcend the mind and senses, to go beyond. Now, what is that vehicle? you, know, It could be transcendental meditation, it could be mantra. it could be japa. All these are tools to help you to transcend. Now, once you transcend, then you will, you know, sometimes if you are lucky, you are meditating for years, you know, maybe you will get a dip. Then, you know, then slowly you will get colored. And, you know, that's all I have learned after reading so much of literature. Okay. Now, what I'm saying is that, uh, I, you know, I have studied so many meditation methods. You know, Rajesh mentioned it, so but I wanted to avoid that. I mean, I don't know which is the method, which is the bonafide process, an approved, certified process, which will lead to the outcome. You know, because and I'm sorry, you know, I was recently wanting to write an article, but I just left it. I mean, is it a brand or commodity? I mean, I mean,
0: Mahesh, can you mute your mic, please?
4: Um, you know, is meditation a commodity or is it branded, you know?
2: Sure,
3: sure. Says,
4: you know, I mean, he adds his touch, so his grace comes, so it gets aligned <laughs> to Charya method, so uska it a certification agency. Gaya. You know, then Shri Goenka says, that In mindfulness meditation is 20 types of mindfulness. John Kabat-Zinn is talking about one mindfulness. Somebody is talking about something else. So yep. I mean, one dedicates, Next 20 years, 30 years, 40 years of one life, two hours, one hour, one hour a day. But, you know, how does one know that, you know, he was on the right path in the first place? I'm not talking of the bachelor's and master's degree.
3: Say, say, Rajiv. Preparation
4: uh, is easy. Preparation is easy part. You know, because it's Ashtanga Yoga, it's about diet, it's about good karma, seva. That's easy. No dispute. But I'm talking about the PhD, the Dhyana. The Yogastha Guru Karmani. How do I get established in yoga? That is that damn, the, is, is there you know, several meditations? Is there the meditation? Is there a set of certified processes? How does one
3: know? And I mean, is there an answer in Advaita? So can I, can, uh, Rajiv, can I jump in there uh, yes. quickly? So, so it sounds like you and I are sort of at the same. Can phase. I
6: take this answer, please?
3: Confused level. Uh,
6: Okay, go ahead, mate. yeah. See, let, let me try to explain in simple words on how I understand this. As I've been trying to read this for the last almost 20 years and uh, trying to assimilate what the knowledge is all about. Now, let me give you one example, uh, uh, Rajiv. When we talk about Advaita Vedanta, we are talking about a word called Brahman. I'm sure you must be knowing about it. Brahman means everything. Let's say everything is Brahman. Okay. Now, to simply understand it, when we are doing meditation, uh, one has to realize that one is everything. So, I mean, this is a sort of... When you are doing meditation, actually, you are not doing meditation. It is a God contemplating on himself. Please understand this. So, we are not doing any meditation at all. Uh, As a physical body, nobody does meditation according to me okay in uh, is the god does think on himself is meditation this is the stage which one has to reach with this physical body now that we have a physical body and we don't realize that we are brahman and we cannot contemplate on the entire universe or the entire thing we are we are taking up a word and gaining in that that is a yoga sutra like any any word we can say om namah shivaya or this where we take up a word and go to a particular level where we differentiate ourselves between a material world and the conscious world, which is, uh, uh, I mean, the uh, climax of the Yoga Sutra, where consciousness is divided with the unconsciousness level. From there, if you look at it, it's the vipassana, uh, where it is just a witnessing technique, you know, Uh, like you witness a breath, you witness any thoughts, like say a bad thought, a good thought, but don't react to it. So it is just a witnessing thought, but still it is more of a consciousness stage. But the stage above that is the Brahmanic stage where we include everything, including the material world, the conscious world, everything is, is the Brahman is what we say. And this is the third stage, which we are looking at in that stage, the God is contemplating on himself. So this stage is moved from the Yoga, Yoga Patanjali Sutras, we learn, we separate consciousness to matter. And from consciousness, we we are witness to it. And then go with one full contemplating saying that we are this and we forget the body, the world, everything. These are the stages which I personally see with my own experience uh, in uh, meditation sort of thing. And there is, I mean, in in the final technique, you know, where people meditate, they say, you know, Rajesh used a word last week called Asanga. Asanga means uh, it is... uh, totally unattached. So, I mean, when we say I'm totally unattached, you are unattached to what? We are saying the word itself is attached. You know, I mean, uh, I mean when, so what we are saying is when we are saying a word or when we are using a word japa, japa means a repetition of a word. It is not a repetition of a word. It is realization of the word. You know, re- realization of the word is more important than the repetition of the word. We cannot say, I am Brahma, I am Brahman. No, it makes no logic sense to me, at least. You have to realize you are Brahman. You have to realize you are this. That is more important uh, as a a meditation technique. And I I think this is what uh, I foresee, I mean, uh, which we should do. I mean, keeping our mind continuously, which is termed in Advaita Vedanta as Nididhyasana, will reach us to that stage automatically where God contemplates on himself. That is meditation. Thank you.
3: May I may I give you a second perspective to this? Um, so Rajiv, sounds like you know, you and I sort of at the base, you know, approaching base camp or starting out to base camp over here. I think similarly to you. So my simple thing understanding from this year's work is action and query. Query is another form of saying contemplation. So to give you an example. Now now everything that, that you know, Mahesh, Kishore, Rajesh has talked about and, and Alpana, this hierarchy. So, you know, in, in here in the UK, if you go and get a pre-packed meal from Marks and Spencers or or Waitrose or John Lewis or something like that, um, they have chilies, you know, how much chilies? One, two, three. So maybe sometime in these meditation techniques, you know, Vipassana will come with five chilies and, and you know, yoga Sutra will come with one chili or something so that we know what you know, what we are buying over that, But that's that's not going to happen anytime soon. Here's the thing. I'm right now in August, I'm operating at about two to three X my mental clarity and energy than I was in February. And the big jump is I went for this 10 day retreat in Tirumannamalai in, in, in March. And it was a, Ashtanga Yoga retreat in a in a uh, yoga shala uh, next to next to and I don't know what I mean. Combination of food, the, you you know, we had regular daily meditation. We did yoga twice a day. It was just mind blowing, you know. And I've come back from that, and, and as soon as I came came back, two people in my family had COVID. I was I was kind of running up and down from six to ten, you know. Doing various things around the house. It was it was like I had a turbocharger which I never had in my life. And um, and you know, exactly the sort of thing that the folks have mentioned earlier. Uh, I think Kishore was talking about this. So, so this is this is the action part. Seeking. Where does seeking come in? I've always wondered that i you know, for the last 30 years, I've traveled a lot. Every time on a plane, I meet somebody I've never met before. So I was just contemplating that. And in my journey, last journey to to Chennai, guess who was sitting three seats away from me? Um, anu Hassan, I haven't seen her since thirty years, you know since since university, and it happens to me a lot. So uh, you know this this whole knowledge that we're talking about my my entry into Ashtanga yoga was very accidental. It was just matter of factly I stumbled into a class. I completely fell in love with it. This this retreat that I went to was completely, uh, you know, completely off chance. There was a lot of pressure on me not to go. There were lots of reasons for me not to go. So, you know, if you seek, we find. I don't know how that works. You know, there's a lot of theory being talked about around that, but it works. Uh, so that's my sort of, you know, kindergarten explanation of
5: uh, how. Well. Can- Thank you. Thank you for sharing Uh, really. That's awesome to hear. So, um, uh, uh, Rajiv, uh, again, um, on this topic of meditation and the different types, something again, uh, it's kind of, uh, it's good and bad in a way that meditation is being marketed in in different ways today, right? On one side, people are actually saying they know what, okay, uh, even children know what meditation is because of all this marketing that's going on but on the other hand it makes a, it's a disservice to uh, the subject of meditation because it is people think uh, that hey you know there is actually an ad with lebron james uh, this is a um, uh, ad for a, an app called calm right where lebron james the uh, the basketball player you know he is sitting in in a meditative pose and and says you know even the the toughest macho uh, athletes Meditate, and they need it, right? That's the message. There is, there is. Uh, so, what I'm trying to get at is, it's been marketed in a really, really big way, right? Mindfulness meditation and apps like Calm and Headspace and what have you. They have. They, they are getting close to 500, 600 million dollar companies at this point. So there's money to be made. There is all kinds of stuff happening. Now, um, if you cut through all of that and go deeper. Um, Uh, The couple of texts that I, uh, so I I, I went through that because I was also in the same place as uh, where you are. And it's just like, I don't know what is right. Everyone says, gives a different technique. And what is this? What am I supposed to do? Uh, So the way it helped me was to cut through that and go level, a couple of levels deeper. Uh, And the level deeper to me was going to the base, basic uh, text, if you will, right. Which is marketing is all at the top. Uh, go down to what started it all, right? So I went to Yoga Sutras and started reading the first two chapters of Yoga Sutras, right, and part of the third. Um, so I went to the source, uh, just completely trying to understand, and then Swami Guru Paranandaji, Ji, uh, who's uh, who was introduced to me by uh, his talks on Yoga Sutras are fantastic. Unfortunately, they are tough but then they're, they're absolutely fantastic, right? But the book, um, there are a couple of books, many books, in fact. So I went to the source um, and I understood what they are trying to say. Then I read uh, SN Goenkaji's uh, Art of Living book, which also explains the original teaching of the Buddha, right? Why, for me, um, I was trying to see why did Buddha not find yoga Uh, or the techniques of yoga or Vedanta, why didn't it appeal to him? Because he would have been, um, he would have learnt it, right? Buddha comes from 2,500 years ago. And I'm sure the teachings of Vedanta and yoga were very prevalent at that time. Uh, But somehow it didn't. And then I started reading and I understand, yeah, it didn't work for him or something happened that it didn't work for him. He wanted to see something more. And then I realized Vipassana provides A different perspective of using breath, right, as a way to understand what's happening. Um, So it gives you a different, different. uh, It's a different technique, but finally it comes down to this, which is that the mind is uh, when when we say use the word extroverted, it is going all over the place. We want to bring it down to one thing first, right? Bring the mind that's. Uh, that's going in different places every few milliseconds. Can I bring it down to one thing for an extended period of time? Yoga calls it dharana, right? In vipassana, that is, uh, is breath is used as a way to anchor. That's the anchor, right? You can use a japa or mantra as yet another way. Finally, you want to get the mind to to start. Um, uh, to focus on one thing Now that one thing can be anything right because uh, in, in some in maybe in zen meditation it's something else yeah in vipassana it's breath uh and whatnot whatnot so there are different people who might find different things that are appealing to them or more easy to latch onto or anchor uh, anchor around so i see um that hey you can try this out you can try breath breath is something that's always there um mantra is Especially if it's simple, uh, which is how I think, uh, like, if you look at uh, uh, Om Namah Shivaya as an example or just Om for an example, that's a simple one, too. Right. Um, Others look at, um, uh, yeah, so some way to anchor it, which is Dharana, right? And then when you go on to uh, 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 Dhyana, again, mind is going to go back and forth, it's going to Go away from the uh, focal point, and it's going to go, and you're going to slowly keep bringing it back. And that whole process of bringing it back is the one that's energy. It's exercising that particular muscle. Well, not a muscle, muscle, but uh, exercising that um, um, our ability to come back to the focal point. Right. So, to to kind of state, uh, I think all of these techniques, people are marketing it, but let's just go. Couple of levels below that, and go to the source when there was no marketing at all at that point, right. and that's where I went to. Right, Yoga Sutras is one, um, and uh, Vipassana. Again, I went to the source. I didn't read all the other books from John Kapadzin or other things. Uh, others who are all I'm sure are very good, but I just went again to the source uh, where. Well, I did not say S. N. Goenkā is the source, but that's probably one of the first written matter or um based on the original uh texts that are out there so that's how i would i went through yeah
0: so um on this topic right it's also important that uh we have to understand a couple of other things so yes in you know uh, krishna says yoga but he also says in chapter 10 that he Japa okay he says that most all these sacrifices when I say sacrifice Sacrifice means all kinds of work that you can do, one individual can do. The the work is japa. okay? And he says that in chapter 10. Check it out. So that's number one. Second thing is uh, to tie in to your original question, Raji, from where we started off all this discussion, to tie in yoga sutras, Advaita Vedanta and all that, I think one of the most important uh, texts that uh, you might want to explore is Aparokshanabhuti at this just uh read uh, alpana has done a marathon on it uh, and kishore you've done a marathon on it mahesh you too and you you should uh, check it out uh, ajay you're reading that right now right you're listening to that that's uh, about lectures right on uh, vp is here
1: VP. vp
0: okay so you should try you should you should you should uh, uh, you should kind of you know read listen to songs. Rapriyanandas lectures. I have not listened to him, but I have listened to my, my Guruji's lectures. But here is what it's going to communicate. Okay. It's going to tell you what does uh, Ashtanga Yoga say, uh, Yoga Sutra say from a perspective of Ashtanga Yoga. Okay. The, uh, eight steps. Okay. And then it says, what does Advaita Vedanta says for the same thing? What's the different interpretation? Right? Now, there are different people with different kinds of mindsets. Right, So for some of them, the interpretation from Yoga Sutra will fit well, very well. But same thing, same Yama, okay, for example, the first one in that eight steps, for someone else with a different kind of a mindset, he will probably be at the interpretation of what uh, Aparokshanabhuti by Adi Shankaracharya. is. So think of it this way. Think of it, it's multi-level, the same Ashtanga Yoga, eight steps, okay, but multi-level, level one, level two, like a multiplayer game. Okay, not a multi-level game that you play, right? You clear one level, then you go to the next level. You clear that level, you go to the next level, right? So, it, it talks about that. So, if you, to, to culminate these two things, right, from to reconcile the differences that we uh, come across in quote-unquote marketing in the Western world and all that, you should listen to Aparokshanabuti by Swami uh, Sarvapriyanandaji. Thank
4: you. Thank you so much. And apologies if I, you know, got the discussion to digress from. No, 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 no. This was right, Perfect. right app
0: topic, right apt topic to talk. Otherwise, <laughs> don't worry. You know, I, I, I'm like a bulldog here. I'm just- <laughs>
5: <laughs> it's a, it's a right thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank
4: you. Thank you so much for this great perspective.
1: Yeah. So, uh, if I may just add, you know, to to what Mahesh was saying, so, I think uh, um, what he was alluding to as well was. That meditation, the way we look at, is to get an experience. When you are looking for an experience, there is an experiencer and an experience, and that's not the PhD. PhD is when you will drop the experiencer. So even when when they say any any samadhi, when you think about it, is that you get to a state of blankness. But there, there is somebody who is experiencing that blankness, right? So it is not the true true self. Yet, so from there you have to go to the the one who's who's looking at that blankness. I think Swami, if you if you listen to a parokya anubuti, Swami ji will say, at that minute when there is an experiencer and a blankness, because you know that you are experiencing that blankness, you have to drop them both together. What remains is what you are. So that will be the you know. So, so till that point, you can use, as uh, you know, Kishore was also trying to explain, temperamentally, whichever works best. In kali Yuga, yes, Japa is supposed to be very, very powerful, they say. So in that, the universe work uh, helps you. But then, yeah, you can use any method to get to that blankness state where, you know, the mind is calm, there are no thoughts, etc. But the work is not yet done. There's a step after that is what avoid the Vedanta says. So that's the difference between Advaita Vedanta and, and hence Advaita Vedanta doesn't say which method you use to calm your mind, get till there, get to the blankness state, and then try to find who's the experience.
0: And also to draw a parallel, right, you know, uh, if you look at the uh, six questions what Yudhishthira asks, uh, 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 Bhishma, and as a result of it, the uh, the answers come out as Vishnu Sahasranama, right? So he asks very simple questions. He says that, okay, um, amongst all the dharmas, which is the biggest dharma, whom should I praise? Okay. Whom should I chant? Kiska stuti karna hai mujhe? Okay. Kiske bare mein karna hai? These are the questions that he asks. And then uh, Bhishma reels out, uh, you know, for the next 20 minutes, uh, Vishnu Sahasranama. Okay. And so the whole idea is, why I'm saying is, I'm talking about the questions, not the answer part of it. The question is, he's asking a question not for himself. He's asking for the masses. So, okay, if I'm not yet ready to do japa, okay, what can I do? I can praise, I can chant, I can sing, okay, I can chant, I can sit down today, Vishnu can, I can say it for uh, uh, 20 minutes. That's also a sort of into one, one aspect of it. So the idea is, you know, it's by over repetition, over a period of time first you may not understand you may it may just be mumbo jumbo of words you will struggle to you know pronounce those words and all those things that's fine but the next step is the mumbo jumbo of words will make start making sense okay for example vishwam vishnu first word is vishwam okay what is vishwam what is vishnu then you'll start understanding the meanings of it then you'll start tying in together how does why should vishnu come next after Vish, vishwam what is the linkage between these two things then you tie in the tie in each of the each of the uh, uh, shlokas there are about uh, 107 shlokas each shloka each shloka will have a particular meaning then after that you'll tie in the entire 107 shlokas once you do that then you've gotten to a that level where you know that all these things is saying everything about that brahman who is me who is inside me okay but i don't know that and i become that that takes enormous amount of practice that's how the the person that i i was listening to listening to he explains you know, different types of mindsets and how they can progress. So short answer, no, no silver bullet. No silver bullet.
5: See, it's like this, right? Um, we want, let's say you have PhD in mind and, you know, let's say we are in, we are in uh, um, middle school or high school and we say, Hey, wait a minute. Why am I going through this again? I want to go to, I want to get the PhD why am I in school? Why don't I just go directly to uh, you know, IAAC and get my PhD done? Uh, it doesn't make sense, right? Uh, but you have to go through a certain path because then you're ready to uh, you know, absorb the knowledge that's coming through in PhD. So uh, that's, uh, that's one way of looking at it, right? Um, so uh, are these, and the other part is, I think the majority, if not the vast majority of humanity it is probably in this area where we are not mentally prepared yet, right? Very, very few of us, as humans, are at the point where they are ready to uh, to receive that knowledge, right? Or absorb that knowledge. Receive everyone can do today, but absorbing it. Very, very few people are at that level of um, uh, mental purity. So, so. That's where I, uh, I, I said, okay, I'm not getting this, right? I, I understand it, but I don't understand it. So I said, okay, because I'm, I'm not uh, there yet. So in the same way, I think most of us are not there yet. So same, we should be spending more time getting to that place, right? Getting and preparing ourselves to, to receive that. So I think that's where um, all these practices, I think they all play a part uh, for uh, in, in one way or the other. They have some... An essence in each one of these things that uh, we can we can use even if you don't agree on the core philosophy uh, aspect of it, it's fine. But there is, you know, Ashtanga Yoga lays it out in such a beautiful way. Uh, it's the structure is so well done, so it's easier to understand it. At the same time, Gita has the same thing in different parts and different areas. Uh, uh, so if you've gone through that multiple times, you will be able to extract it from the different parts, right? Um, but uh, puts it in one place as one thing, uh, you know. But even there, as you, you know, I, I would uh, add one more comment to what you said, which is, you know, the emas and Nimas, We tend to say, yeah, okay, I understand. Yeah, this is, um, but I think that's where the most important essence of Ashtanga yoga is. Uh, right. If you understand, if if you look at just ahimsa as an example i've been i've been spending many many days on just that one part because ahimsa is not just violence at the level or non-violence at the level of the physical body it is at the level of speech and it's at the level of thought right. now when you say non-violence at the level of thought what does that mean the thought well, yeah. i didn't right it's it's coming from the subconscious right so if there is a a, a a, a, a violent thought. I mean, not even violent. Violent is a, a too much of a word. But even if there is a bad thought that comes in, I didn't ask for that thought. It comes from the subconscious. So, what do I do, right? Where did it come from, and why did it come? From? Why did that particular thought come? Why did that negative thought come? I don't know, right? Because it's coming from my subconscious. So how do I, how do I um, manage that so that these negative thoughts slowly? die down right there's no direct way but i'm just saying as an example just to get to that ahimsa alone it will take us it will take us quite quite a bit of time and practice over many years uh, to get that um before we we can get into anything else as an example yeah so they can be used in um together as an you know you you obviously are practicing yamas and yamas in daily life at every Uh, every minute of your life for that matter Um, and then there are other times when you meditate and go deeper into your mind to understand how your mind is and to increase those um, their awareness the ability to be more mindful and all that comes as part of meditation then you're obviously doing pranayama at the level of prana and and so on right so it lays it out in a really really good way Um, and yet another way of looking at it is uh, practical versus uh, lab versus theory Right uh, you know, there is a lot of theory on the Advaita side, which is important, which is the knowledge, uh, but then there is also the lab which is happening uh, where the practical stuff is happening on a daily basis. Can we apply certain things right So can we be aware of ahimab when we, when we talk to somebody when we, um, when we are aware of these thoughts, are they negative thoughts? Uh, uh, you know that is a minute by minute. I mean, second by second practice, isn't it? It's not just on the mat; it's outside the mat.
3: So, on 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 that practical sort of theory versus practical thing, I think one of the things I've been thinking of is a context. Uh, context in which this knowledge was put down on paper, you know, so many thousands of years back. So, today we live a life where pretty much, you know, we have a lot of certainty around us. We have you know, security, there there are laws, there's police, there's uh, infrastructure. When this was written, you know, 3000 years back probably for the Gita, we had less, you know, it, it was less than what we have now, but they had the formation of uh, cities uh, that, that that security was beginning to creep in. So there was a, you know, when, when the whole, history, the, the whole thing around Karma Yoga as the route to uh, route to Moksha uh, was was postulated. There was a context. Similarly, when the Rig Vedas came around, the original studies, and that time we were, you know, uh, we were just nomadic tribes at that point in time. The uncertainties around us were huge. You know, I can't imagine people slept comfortably because it was always a risk that either a flood or a neighboring tribe or an animal would come and eat you and then you had to procure all your food i mean today we're doing uh you know we're doing this four-month fasting knowing that actually if you want to flip out and fall off the wagon there's a fridge of fridge full of food that you can go to right so so i think i have not fully made up my mind as to the context but this this knowledge i think should be taken with that context in mind as well and when we apply it today we should we should keep that in mind so this is more a question than a than an assertion or a piece of knowledge uh,
0: the uh, Vivek, i think uh, you know maybe you know if we go back to the first chapters in this book right it, it talks of the context the context is still relevant for each one of us respect of the age what it is the reason the reason why the context the way that the book contextualizes it is it's not about security or it's not about, uh, you know, police protection or anything like that. It's about, despite all these things, are we happy, right? If the question, is, if we ask ourselves, if we are not, that means the environment has got no bearing to our happiness. This is happening because of which we are rendered, uh, uh, you know, some sort of uh, push to a corner where we feel, you know, Ups and downs in our life, okay. For whatever, so this book basically puts that as a context and says, okay, if you are experiencing that, right, perhaps the solution is here. That's how it contextualizes it. Maybe you should just, you know, look at the you know first introductory pages once. So I just want to, you know. Uh
4: propose at the right time you know in the future you know two or three related topics you know of course whatever is our agenda we should pursue with that but just you know i mean instead of saying it offline to you rajesh i'm just saying it here you know two three things that you know are intertwined with this is that you know do you need a guru and when i say do you need a guru i'm not talking about a mentor guide friend i'm talking of grace because there's this whole concept of meditation karloo. You know, that guy is going to pull you up. So I at some point, you know, if there is time and you know we can schedule that the, the relevance of grace, because there are so many traditions, and you know, it's my belief that you know a lot of the branding of the meditation techniques is because of the you know the grace. You know, I can do any meditation but unless I am connected to the Guru, I will not That is my you know one kind of a topic. Of course at the right time whenever you feel appropriate we can. Second point is you know I always worry about because I've also read about you know uh, the negative effects of meditation. So especially what I worry about is that imagining or at an intellectual level Thinking about, you know, I am Brahma, you know, and I am just correlating with Gita, where finally Krishna had to say, boss, they gave Gyan Chakshulelo, you know. So, unless the consciousness expands, you know, I think to talk about I am Brahmatmi and I am God can be a delusion, can be a dangerous delusion. You know, so I think. it should not be probably again it's, not, it's a doubt or a comment it cannot be at the level of intellect when my 24 by 7 living experiences it's okay otherwise it's like you know, you know? <laughs> that is you know the other thing uh you know, at, at the right time maybe we can take it up you know just uh, i thought i will yeah
0: just absolutely so, uh, Rajiv, you know, actually, in page sixty-one of this book, right, there is actually a discussion about guru, and we have uh, we have actually discussed this in detail. Okay, if you would like, you know, you might want to look. You know, there is a podcast which where I where I uh, where I record all these things and we post it in. You know, I can send you the link. If you if you look at that, you know, the topic will say you know do you need a guru? So you can listen to the discussion we've okay. had. Fine. That's yeah, so that's that's already covered because it was already as part of the, uh, you know, the previous pages of the discussions what we had. That's why I just page 61. So just check it out. That's one thing. Second thing is you talked about, uh, you know, uh, uh, the negative effects of meditation. And that's exactly, I think, we've been trying to articulate here because, you know, not everybody is, is ready to, you know, do that step of saying, I am I'm Brahmasmi, right? Because each one of us mentally are very different. So it's for us to figure it out. What is the mental state that we are in at this point of time? Therefore, we can get the right kind of next step, right? So, from that perspective, some quote unquote guidance or somebody will be there, and then the things serendipity, like what uh, you know um, uh, Vivek was talking about in a different context, will happen because that's a reality. Okay, if you have that, if you have that uh, intention that you want to progress, sincere intention, you know, things will happen. Trust me on that.
4: That, dad I can vouch for. And that's why I got into this group. <laughs> you know, I got stuck somewhere, you know, lost in translation. So I think, you know, I got connected here and maybe that's what it is.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, any, last comments on the topic. So are we good with the meditation? Actually with the meditation that's covered in this chapter, did we cover everything, what we want, what we read? Or are there some areas that we had not touched? Just kind of scanning through the pages mentally to see if there are some other topics that we have missed. Oh, I think we should.
1: Good.
2: I think uh, I feel a bit shallow on this topic to be honest,
0: but, uh, we'll kind of pick it up. Uh, so, so what I suggest is, I think, let's not go more pages next week, next week. Let's continue reading this chapter. Yeah. Okay. No, that's good. Yeah. And maybe, you know, uh, while we read this chapter, because it's to karma yoga, it's linked to the concept of sannyasa. Okay. Maybe we'll have to probably go back pages to understand what exactly sannyasa means, maybe refresh our minds about what exactly Karma Yoga means. How do we implement that in our life and then come back again? Maybe let's mull this over a little bit more so that we can.
2: No, today was very useful context because you're right. I mean, there are so many sort of options and you do kind of wonder which one is right. But I think it will be good to focus on what is the context in this book and spend some more time maybe kind of going through some of the concepts in there. I think uh, that would be quite useful.
0: Right. So let's do this, you know, the next, next Sunday also, let's uh, focus on reading this chapter and perhaps go revise the previous uh, pages, uh, and then we can come back and have another free-flowing discussion here. Yeah. All right. With that, three more minutes and over to you, Alpana. All
1: right. Good now, yeah. <laughs> I did send
0: mute. no yes we can hear you I said will mute ourselves and you can just start off
1: okay so I had sent the shloka and the meaning on the on the chat I think all of you are familiar with the shloka and we can just chant it
5: um Oh,
1: oh, no,
0: All right. Dot on time. Two more minutes to go today. Pretty good. Maybe it's a pretty tough topic, but looks like we can take the time. Pretty nice. All right. You. Enjoy your Sunday and hurry home and we'll see you next week.